All right. What's going on, Bay Church? Listen, if you're not singing that song, it's because you don't know the lyrics. And if you don't know the lyrics, I don't know where you've been. So today we're starting a brand new series entitled Relationship Goals. Relationship Goals, specifically hashtag Relationship Goals. The first time I came across that hashtag several years ago, my wife or myself, I don't remember which one, we had posted a picture on social media of her and I together. And we were grateful for all the feedback and positive comments and likes, but one specifically that jumped to the surface was from one of our daughters. She had not only liked the picture, but in the comments, she just put hashtag relationship goals, which I, I'm just going to be honest, man. I found that just so flattering that our daughters, our, our kids are looking at us saying, hey, we want that kind of marriage, right? I mean, come on. I just don't think there's any higher compliment. Just, hey, FYI, your kids are watching you. And so here my, you know, my daughter is saying that when I get older, I want to have a marriage like my parents. I want, I want to find a man who's going to love me the way my dad loves my mom. I'm going to, I want to be the kind of wife who loves her husband the way my mom loves my dad. So I, I just thought that was just so cool. Hashtag relationship goals. And so as we jump in today, let me just ask you a question. What are your hashtag relationship goals? What do you want the relationships in your life to look like? Because here's what I want you to know is that the stakes are substantial. That our relationships are such a defining component of our life that it's important that we really work hard to have strong and healthy relationships. If you're taking notes right out of the gate, our relationships define our past and it determines our future. I mean, think about it. Where you are right now in life is in large part due with the people you used to hang out with. And where you're headed in life, what your future is going to be determined by in large part is who's in your life now. And so relationships are such a huge component, it's important that we do them and we pick them well. In fact, uh, I'm just going to tell you this, the Apostle Paul, he jumped right in. Mama didn't say it first. The Apostle Paul, he said it first in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 33. Paul said it this way. Paul said, do not be misled. Don't fool yourself. Don't buy the lie. Don't be deceived that bad company corrupts good character. And so if bad company corrupts good character, we know the flip side is true, that the proper people promote purity, that who, you, who you're hanging out with is determining in large part how you live and what level you're attaining. Like, just it's real simple. Like, if the people you're running with is pulling you down, you got the wrong people. We want people that are going to pull us up, not pull us down. We want people who are going to push us forward and not hold us back. If they're corrupting you, they're the wrong, piece in, uh, wrong people, but if they're promoting purity, if they're building your relationship with Christ, if they're helping you find success in this world, then they're the people that you want in your corner. Relationships are a huge, huge deal. And so for a few minutes today, we're going to jump into week one, but I want to encourage you over the next several weeks as we tackle relationship goals, we're going to talk about marriage and we're going to talk about dating. And today for a few minutes, we're just going to talk about friends. Because I believe that friends, friends are one of the biggest components, even beyond many of the other things that we look at in life that help determine our trajectory, where we're headed, and how we're going to get there, are the friends in your life and the people that you're hanging out with. So I, um, I don't know about you guys, I don't know if anybody else does this, but when I, uh, around the holidays especially, a lot of times I find myself, y'all going to judge me for this, but if you ever like during a gift exchange, you bought a gift and like the gift exchange, you liked the gift so much you wanted to like make sure it got back to you. Yeah. Am I the only one that does that? 
Good, I'm glad I'm not the only one. And sometimes it doesn't have to be a gift exchange, but sometimes it's just like you give a gift and it's such a great gift. You think, man, I wish somebody would give that gift to me. I think probably friendship is very similar to that, that friendship is such a precious component in life that I know at least for me that there are times that when somebody's a good friend to me, I find myself thinking, I wonder if I'm giving somebody else that same quality of friendship. Or sometimes I find myself, if I'm being a friend to somebody, if I'm honest, I think, man, I wish somebody was this level of friend to me. And so as we jump in today, week one, talking about this idea of friendship, here, I want you to write it down. Friendship is the greatest possession you can have, and it's the greatest present that you can give. Friendship, because our relationships are defining markers in our life. Friendship, as you give it to other people, as you invest it into other people, you're helping people move forward. You're helping people get closer to God. You're helping people find success. It really is one of the greatest presents you can give. And because it's so important to us in defining who we are and our character and our choices, it's one of the greatest possessions that you can have. Come right by and say friendship. And some of us, at some point in our life, we have to take a step back and we have to look at who we're doing life with. And I'm just here to tell you, at some point, we've got to make a decision to find new friends if we're going to get to the destiny God has for us. Come on, y'all got to help me out in third service. So we just came through the uh, last week, the NBA draft. I'm a big NBA fan. I'm a big basketball fan. I love my son plays high school basketball, collegiate basketball, NBA. I don't really know what's going on with the NBA. I was a, a Cavs fan for years, even when they were no good. And then LeBron spoiled us, took us to the finals four years in a row. Now the Cleveland Cavs are a second grade team. I don't even know what to watch. But LeBron's go to the Lakers, and I've hated them so long I can't support them. So I'm just, I'm just teamless. But I'm still watching what's going on. And if you're paying attention or you watch NBA, but really it's this way with any sports, they have these trade deadlines. And the goal of the trade deadline that the NBA just went through is basically they're looking at their team and they're trying to determine who do I need to get off our team that's holding us back from a championship and who do I need to get on my team that's going to help us achieve a championship. And I just want you to know, some of you in this room, you need to make the same decision. You need to look at your bench and look at your life and find out who's on the court with you, who's holding you back from a championship, and who do you need to get in your corner that's going to help you to aspire to be the person that God's called you to be. Come on, everybody shout friendship. We got to make those kinds of decisions. And so today for a few minutes, I just want us to go through what God has to say. And I want us to do a friend inventory. A friend inventory is a friend inventory. I want us to look at the kind of friend we are. And I want us to look at the kind of friends that we have and help decide what kind of changes do we need to make. Hashtag relationship goals. So Maybe one of the questions I think we need to ask as we look at the friends that surround our life is this, is that they are, are they a dead end or are they a godsend? Like we all, come on, we all at times have people in our life that just, they're a life suck. They don't contribute to us. They pull from us. Again, they don't push us up. They pull us down. And come on, for all the ladies in the house that want your hair long and lovely, come on, when you got dead ends, what do you got to do? You got to cut it off. Some of you got to determine you got some people in your life and you got to, come on, say it you got to cut them off because they're holding you back from the life God wants you to have. Are they a godsend or are they a dead end? If they're a godsend, you need to open up your life and embrace them because they're helping you be the people that God wants you to be. Not just a godsend or a dead end, but we got to ask, right, are, are, the, are we having foundations built by associations that are helping us grow? 
Like sometimes we have people in our life that are helping us to have godly foundations, helping us have successful foundations. Come on, and sometimes people come in our life and they're crumbling the foundations we have and we just have to make a decision. I want a championship team. I want a championship life. And so it's time to cut some people off and bring some people in so I can get where I want to go. Come on, is anybody with me today? <laughs> Friends. And while we're on this topic just for a minute, I don't want to just talk to all of us as adults, but for all the parents in the house, do you know who your kids are running with? Do you know, are you aware who your kids are doing life with? It's crazy how much effort, time, and money we invest in our kids to make sure they get on the right travel soccer team, that they get on the right football team, that they got the right gear, that they get in the right school, that they get the right tutoring. We do all these things to make sure that happens, and we invest so little time to make sure they're hanging out with the right friends. And I just want you to know something, that the tutoring they get and the ball they kick and the field they're on has far less to do with the person they'll be than the people they're hanging out with, and that's where we need to spend some attention. And I, I have parents say stuff like this to me on a regular, and they'll say, Pastor, if I tell them they can't hang out with this person, they're going to rebel and do it anyways. Listen, you can't control them when they're not under your roof, but you can still give them wisdom. Listen, you might do it when I can't see you, but as long as I know about it, I'm going to put up a barrier. I'm going to give you wisdom. I'm going to tell you right from wrong. Listen, the job of a parent is not to be a friend. The job of a parent is to parent and help them to find the right friends. Come on, somebody. Parents are typing emails right now. Listen, I'm not telling you it's easy. I've gone through it as a teenager. I've gone through it as a parent. And your job and your role in the life of your child is to help them to find the right friends who are forming them to be the people they're headed into. And friends are a big deal. Come on. So we're going to, as we do this friend inventory today, I want us to look at some words that Solomon had to say. He gave us some profound words of wisdom. And in fact, not just in the book of Ecclesiastes, but throughout the book of Proverbs which is also written by Solomon, you find he tackles the topic of friendships almost more than any other topic. And you'll find while in kind of this category of Christianity that we pretty much make decisions, whether it's moral or immoral, you'll find that God's word makes decisions outside of morality. And when I say that, obviously as Christ followers or as people of faith, we need to make moral, upright decisions. Who you hang out with sometimes isn't necessarily a moral decision, but it's a wise decision. And for, so what you'll find Solomon saying throughout Proverbs is that wise people hang out with helpful friends. And so here's some of the, here's some of the parameters he gives us. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12, he says this. He says, two are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other person can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? And a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Now, this section of scripture that I just read, probably many of you have heard it. It's something that's often read at weddings. And so therefore, we tend to think that this only applies to the relationship between a husband and a wife. However, I believe that this section of scripture applies to every relationship with your end. In fact, personally, I believe, that I believe it applies better to friendship than marriage. Just FYI, friendship is the foundation of marriage. We're going to get there in week three. You can't be a good spouse until you're first a great friend. Y'all better help me third service. So Ecclesiastes 4 and 9, we're just going to go through this. We're going to take a friend inventory 
a friendventory about what kind of possession, what kind of possession we have as friends and what kind of gift we are presenting as friends, okay? And so here it is, Ecclesiastes 4.9, he says this, he says, two people are better off than one for they can help each other succeed. Everybody say succeed. Succeed is something that almost all of us in this room, whether intentionally or subconsciously, that we pursue. Very rarely does a person wake up and say, I love being mediocre, right? Uh, we, we, we try to pursue success. We try to pursue success in our health. We try to pursue success in our business. We try to pursue success in our family. Like it's natural. And here's why I believe God is a God of excellence. And because we're made in his image, he calls us and creates us for excellence. So there's this natural drive to pursue success. But notice what Solomon says in the discussion of friendship. He says the number one principle everybody needs to know is, is two's better than one. What he's saying is, you can't have what God wants you to have, and you can't do all God's created you to do if you do it alone. He says this. He says, because where there's two, that's where you find success. Now, some of you in this room, there's probably in a couple categories here. When I start talking about friendships, some of you in this room are like, pastor, I'm good. I don't need any friends. I've done it this far, this long on my own. I don't need anybody, and I still got money in the bank, and I'm doing okay. Some in this room used to have friends and they stabbed you in the back and they talked about you and they weren't good friends and you done washed your hands with them and you don't think you need anybody because all the ones you had hurt you and so you'd rather be alone than hurt. Some of you in this room, you got a lot of associations but you don't have any friends. You fooled yourself thinking you have friends and you don't. And I just want to tell all of you on every level in this room, no matter how old you are, or how young, listen, Paul or Solomon is saying, everybody needs a friend to reach the level of success that God has for you, which means if you've been successful alone, you just wait and see what you can do when you get the right person in your corner. There's another level waiting on you if you can get the person in your corner that can push and pull you there. And if you have been hurt and you're like, I'm done with people, like I've just been hurt and I'm okay without them, listen, you need to allow Jesus to heal you so you can open up your heart and let someone in so you can get, come on somebody, to another level. And if you got associations and not friends, it's time to cut off social media and open up your life to people who actually talk and help. Come on, everybody, look up. But at the end of the day, it's this principle. He's saying like two is better than one. We, uh, we're probably familiar with the word synergy. Synergy is this principle that while one person can produce a certain amount of labor or output, when you bring in more than one person, two or more, that there's an exponential increase in output. It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't just add, it multiplies the output. And what God is saying is he's created us for relationship. He wants us to be in relationship. He wants us to have healthy relationships so we can see the success he has for us. And so ultimately, like, here's the idea is that, that you can't really reach synergy without multiplicity. You cannot do it alone. So get a two. And he goes on, he says this. Here's where we're going to do our friend inventory. Check this out. He says, verse 10. He says, if one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Come on, everybody says, someone who falls alone is what? that was lame. Someone who falls alone, you got to say with some emphasis, is in real trouble. They're in trouble. And I want, what I want you to see in this is he makes it really clear. If one person falls, the other can reach out. But if someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Here's what I know about life is it's not a matter if I fall. It's just a matter of 
when I fall. I'm, I, just like you, I'm going to fall into temptation. I'm going to fall into struggle. I'm going to fall into mediocrity. I'm going to fall into discouragement. Like, I didn't, I didn't pick it. I don't want it, but life happens, and we find as life goes, we trip into circumstances, and we fall. The question is that you got to ask yourself is who's in your corner? Who's close enough to you that when you fall, they can hear you cry out? See, some, some of us, we are so excluded from people, nobody even knows you're in trouble. And so Solomon's saying, listen, you need to make sure when you fall, somebody is there who can pick you up. Someone who can hear, who's close enough to hear you when you fall? Who's close enough to you to know you're close to a fall? Who's close enough that can actually bend down and pick you up? If your friends are talking about you when you're down rather than helping you up when you're down, you need new friends. So falls are coming. Who's your friend? Since you, you can't get up alone, who's the friend to help you up when you're down? Who's the person when you fell out of church, called and checked on you? Who's the person when you're making bad decisions is there to call you into account? Everybody needs somebody to hold them accountable. He goes on, he says this, Ecclesiastes 4.11. He says, likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. How can one be warm alone? This is not about spooning. Just, <laughs> that's not this at all. He ain't talking about dudes spooning, just whatever. Here's what he's talking about. He's talking about, so the guy who wrote Proverbs Again, wrote Ecclesiastes, Solomon. If you, if you ever read the book of Ecclesiastes, it's basically the whole book is just like, here's Solomon. He's like looking at life like, I just, it's just the futility of life. That you can make right decisions and still things end up bad. And you can make bad decisions and somehow it still works out. And Solomon's like, I, I don't know. And he's writing this and he gets into this idea of relationships. And he, and he, and he throws this thing out and he says, here's what I know. He's not talking about us physically being cold. He's saying we live in a cold, dark, harsh world. And when you wake up one day to that cold, harsh reality, when you've lost a loved one, when you wake up broke, when you wake up and your kids have been in addiction for six months and they're destroyed your family and you just wake up cold, dark, and alone, who's there that's going to keep you warm when you wake up in this cold, dark world? And I don't know if you all know this, but we live currently because of digital technology in the most connected generation ever. Most of us in this room, we have hundreds or thousands of friends on Facebook. We have hundreds or thousands of followers on Instagram. We've got people tweeting us and reading our tweets. And in spite of this digital connection, stats tell us this, that in spite of being the most connected generation digitally, that this current generation, which means every one of you in this room, that we are the most lonely, disconnected, depressed, suicidal generation ever. And here's the reason why, is while we have all kinds of social friends, we don't have near enough soulful friends, which means while we got people who know what we like, we don't got anybody who knows what we're going through. Who's your soulful friend? Who's the person that really knows what's going on in your heart? Who knows what you're thinking? Who knows what's coming down your path? Who knows what your struggle is? Because in this cold, dark world, you will freeze to death in solidarity. But Solomon's saying when you got somebody there to warm you up, you will make it to the other side of your struggle. Come on, friendship. And then he says this. I love it. He says, he says a person, y'all got to, I want you to hone in on this one. He says a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. But two 
can stand back to back and conquer. I want you to leave that up for a minute. I want you to notice the difference between the first part and the second part. The question isn't if you get in a fight. A person standing alone can be attacked. Attacks are coming. And if you stand alone, you know what's coming? Defeat. But two can stand back to back and conquer. The question isn't if we're going to go through a fight. The question is how we're going to come out of a fight. And what determines our outcome is who's with us. If you got a good friend, you can make it through the fight. And so like Paul, he in, in Ephesians chapter 6, he talks about this idea of all of us. And I know we don't always realize it and because we can't see it. Sometimes we don't believe it that we just don't fight the fights of everyday stuff. But we have a real spiritual enemy and we're in a real spiritual battle. And what Solomon is saying here, echoing what Paul says in the Ephesians about this spiritual fight that we're in, is that if you try to stand toe-to-toe alone, you're in trouble. It's not a matter if you get in a fight. The issue is if you get in a fight alone, you will be defeated. You need somebody to watch your six. You need somebody to get your back. You need your ride or die. You need your bestie. You need your pal, your best friend, your homeboy. You need somebody who's going to look out for you, who sees what you can't see, and who's willing to say something that nobody else is willing to say. Somebody's got to watch your six. And he says, if you got that, you're not going to just fight, but you're going to conquer. Now, here's what I know about life is, is that we don't get to pick, unfortunately, what we go through, but we do get to pick who we go through it with. So I don't know if anybody else, if any, if, if y'all watch this show, if you don't, don't judge me because I do unless, and I'll find out what you watch and I'll judge you for what you watch. Does anybody watch Naked and Afraid? I mean, somebody's watching it because seasons keep getting produced. Just so we're clear, like when I say I watch it, I don't DVR it. I don't go looking for it, but when I'm flipping the channels and it goes by, I got to watch it. I don't want to watch it. It's like a car accident. I got to watch it. And the whole time I watch it, I'm like, like, I won't go out in my backyard unless I got shoes on. These people are wandering through the Amazon forest naked. If you've never watched it, I did not recommend it to you. But here's the thing about this show. So it starts, and this guy and this girl, they come and they meet, and, um, and they're getting ready to go into the Amazon or into the forest or into a desert, into these very crazy climates. And, but here's the reality is, is that before they go in, the producers allow them to take one instrument with them. And so typically what you find is, is one person will take a machete with them and like the other person will take like a fire starter with them. And here's what they're saying. They're saying, like, I can't determine what I'm going to face, but here's what I know is I'm going to face something. And if I'm going to face some vine blocking my path, I'm going to make sure I take a machete so I can chop it out of the way. Listen, I don't know what I'm going to face, but if I get cold, I want to make sure I have the capacity to build a fire to keep me warm. Listen, you can't determine what you're going through, but you can determine who you're going through with it. Fights are coming. Struggles are coming. Battles are coming. Temptations are coming. You got to make sure we got somebody who's a friend to us that'll fight with us, that will pick us up and will keep us warm. Come on, everybody shout friends. Who's your friend? And the problem is, come on, if you're taking notes, don't wait until you're in the fight to find your friend. See, a lot of us wait until we're, until we're, until we're neck deep to look around and, and say, where's my friend at? And I'm just telling you, it's too late. We need to find a friend now. They need to be battle tested that we get in the fight. We know we can count on them. Now, I've said something two services, and it went over better than I thought, so I'm going to try it one more time. This may not fly third service. But here's what I have found with church people. 
Now, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about the other church people. <laughs> one of the number one complaints, y'all ready? One of the number one complaints I get from people is this right here. Is pastor, I was coming to church six months and I, I, I didn't make it three weeks and nobody called me. Nobody followed up on me. And I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm going to another church. And I found people that go to another church came from another church. Anyways, so, and I'm like, wait a minute, who are you? Because here's why, is we got a whole lot of people who come to church, who roll into service five minutes late, they sit in the shadows, they don't talk to nobody, and as soon as I say amen, they roll out of here, skirt, they're like rolling over parking lot attendants on their way to the buffet line. And they don't talk to nobody, they're not connected to anybody, they're not on a serve team, they're not in a small group, yet when they disappear, they get mad, nobody talks to them. Listen, as your pastor, listen, I can't shepherd invisible sheep. I need to know you're here to miss you when you're gone. And one of the best things you can do is not count on me. This church grows. Just it's, I'm really good with names. I've, I've always been good with names. I was good when we were three and 400 and 500 and 600 and 700 and 800. When we hit 1,000, I, I didn't have any more RAM. <laughs> so now when I, when I learn a new name, I got to forget somebody else's name. <laughs> so I'm like, you know, this is Josh. Josh is good to see you. And then Destin comes. I'm like, Destin. I don't, I don't remember your name. Like, I got to delete some names to make room for more names. So if you're counting on me to miss you, you're in trouble. Get yourself out of a seat. Get in a circle with people who know your name, know you're here, and miss you when you're gone. Because we need a friend. You need somebody in your corner, somebody watching your six. I'm just going to say this, and some of you are going to be really mad if you're not already. Every, you know one of the ways we know you're here, too, is if you give. Now, just so we're clear, I'm not sitting in my office scrolling through giving records, but we pull giving reports. That's how we know somebody's gone. So if you don't never give, you're not on a serve team. I'm saying if you're not really here, don't be mad when you're gone and nobody misses that you're not here because you weren't really here to get. I'm just going back to the notes. I'm saying be missable and you'll be missed. If I'm not here next week, y'all going to miss me? Now, I'm front and center, obviously. But be in a group of people. We got connect groups going on. We have freedom groups. Find a freedom group where you matter, where you can be this to somebody else, and somebody else can be this to you. Are you all with me today? Everybody shout friendship. So we all need great friends in our life that are going to help us in our journey. Friends are either holding us back or they're pushing us forward. Friendship, the two principles that kind of we're talking about is this idea of commitment and vulnerability. As we talk about this, here's the question you need to ask yourself as you're doing this friend inventory. You got to ask yourself two questions. Who's your number two? Who's your number two? Who's your ride or die? If you don't think of somebody right now, this is, this is the person I can call when I'm in trouble. This is the person that has my back. If I'm broke down in the middle of the night, this is the phone call I'm making. Who's your number two? And who's a number two to you? Who's the person you got their back? Who's the person you're there for, no matter what? If you can't answer one of those two questions, I'm telling you, it's only a matter of time before you fall and you're left alone, or somebody else falls and you're not there to pick them up. Who's your two and who's the number two to you? Who's your two and who's the number two to you? And so we look at these components, and again, it really comes down to commitment. Commitment is back over what Solomon said 
we, we do okay with commitment. We don't do great with vulnerability. Commitment is we're committed to people. We're committed to help people up who fall, right? I think we're committed to try to help rally around people who are in this cold place in life. I even think at times we're committed to help other people fight when they're in a battle. Lean in. Here's what we're not good at. We suck, and I get to say that word, at being vulnerable with people. Who do you let pick you up when you fall? Oh, no, I got it. I'm good. I don't need no help. No, no. Solomon said you're going to fall and you need somebody to pick you up. Who do you let come alongside of you and pick you up? Who do you let come and keep you warm when you're cold? Who do you let in your life to fight with you and for you when you're struggling? See, it's one thing to be committed to somebody else. We need to allow somebody else to be committed to us. And it's both components. It's commitment and vulnerability. If you're taking notes, the requirements of friendship are never letting them down and always letting them in. We can't let people down. If we're going to be a real friend, we can't let them down. And we got to make sure that we're letting them in. Come on, we're letting them in. Solomon, he said it this way in Proverbs 27, verse 5 and 6. He said, an open rebuke is better than a hidden love. Wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. You know what he's saying? Come on. He's saying, really great friends won't tell you what you want to hear. Really great friends will tell you what you need to hear. Like sometimes you need a friend to get up in your face and be like, no, I know he's got six-pack abs and eyes of blue, but he's been all over this town and he don't need to be with you. He's married and he's trying to hit on you. And if he breaks up with her to get with you, it's only a matter of time when he breaks up with you to get with someone else. He's no good. You need to turn away. Some, listen, we need somebody to tell us the hard stuff that we don't want to hear. I'm married to a great woman and living with me is a joy and a, and a job at the same time. And there's times that she'll have to tell me things that, and every time, just so you know, I, she's never told me something that I didn't want to hear that I thanked her for at first. Because it stings. Like part of her job is, hey, you're going to stand up in front of a thousand people today. You know, I got come out of the bedroom. She's like, you're not wearing that today, are you? I'm like, no. <laughs> I mean, I'm not now. <laughs> you know, or whatever in life. Like she's there to tell me stuff I don't want to hear. I don't like hearing it. I don't like that she don't like this or like the way I, that this looks or I, whatever about my character, or my personality, the way I'm, I don't like it when she tells me, but she's trying to give me a minor hurt so I don't suffer a major hurt. She's trying to help me and she's not trying to hurt me. Come on. A friend isn't somebody, come on, a friend is somebody who tells you your zipper's down now, doesn't tell you when the party's over, your zipper was down. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Listen, I've been doing this gig for a long time. You better believe there's been a couple I got up here. And I'm looking down at my wife, and she's like, I'm like, is that air guitar? What is she doing? And like, then it'll hit me. Oh, we're going to like do a praise break. That's a friend. Come on. Who's telling you the stuff that you don't want to hear? Who's challenging you on the decisions you're about to make? Who's telling you and in your ear and telling you some hard truths that may be uncomfortable, but it's saving you some heartache? Listen, hard truths are better than heartache. And that's what we need is people who are in our corner. And so we, we, just, we just can't not let them down. We have to let them in. And I'm just telling you, the circle I'm talking about, the possession you have from others and the present you give to others, 
I'm just being honest. It's a small circle. If you're hoping to have 10 or 15 great friends, it's unfortunate, but that's just not the reality of life. Solomon said you just need one. If you can find two, you're incredibly blessed. So question, who's your two? Who's your two? Who's your two? And who's a two to you? Who do you call when you're in trouble? And who calls you when you're in trouble and you didn't see you were in trouble? Everybody needs somebody your entire life. If you're sitting here and you're 70, you still need a two and you still need to be a two. If you're a teenager or an adolescent, you need a two. And you probably need somebody who's a two that's not where you are in your stage of life. You need somebody a little bit further down the road who can tell you how to get where they got. Come on, somebody. Everybody shout friendship. What I'm talking about today is really when you look at scripture, God isn't even really giving us this option. So if you're hearing like, oh, that's great. I hope maybe one day I could be a friend. We'll see how it goes. This is not an opportunity. This is a command. We all have a relation obligation. When you read scripture, Jesus is saying, hey, this is what you're supposed to be to people. Do you know how I know it? Because who are we supposed to be like? Who, who's our, who, come on, who's, who's the person we're chasing after? Jesus. Do you know Jesus? He had all kinds of titles. One that was given to him in his ministry that at the time that it was given, it was intended to be a slam, a put down. But Jesus wore it as a badge of honor because it was the reason he came. One of the titles that Jesus got was a friend of sinners. And basically it was the religious of the day looking at Jesus saying, come on, Jesus, you're, you're hanging out with the down and out. You're hanging out with the scum of the earth. I mean, I can't believe Jesus would be a friend of sinners. And Jesus is like, that's exactly why I came. I didn't come to heal the people that don't think they need healed. I came to be a doctor to those who recognize they're broken. And so Jesus was a friend of sinners. Now, wait, wait, wait. What that means is, I'm telling you these two ideas. Jesus was exactly that. Jesus was committed, but he was candid. Think about the woman that was brought to him, this woman who was caught in the act of adultery. And this group of religious men demanded that Jesus obey the law and stone the woman who's caught in the act of adultery. And I love the way Jesus handles it. Jesus is like, well, I'll let all you perfect people handle this. I'll pick up a rock after the perfect people do. He says, let the one without sin cast the first stone. Everybody looks around like we're all broken. And they leave. Jesus is committed to rescue this woman. But don't miss, he's also candid. Because when everybody else is left and it's just him and her, he looks at her and says, hey, just so you know, that adultery thing, it's not okay. It's sin, but go and sin no more. And so Jesus sets the standard for us to be people who are committed and people who are candid. And so we need to be committed and candid, and we need to allow people to be committed to us and candid with us. Never let them down and always let them in. How many of you in this room would say, maybe we need to be a little bit more like Jesus. How many people here need to be a better number two? How many people need to have a number two? Come on, leave it up, because you don't got one. I'm going to pray for you. Amen. Father, we just come in the name of Jesus. Thank you for Jesus, the example you set, the clarity of your word to our call. 
Lord, it's not easy because it's sacrifice to be somebody else's friend. But I pray over every person in this room in the name of Jesus that, God, you will position us in somebody else's life. God, that we would understand that some associations are assignments, that, God, you've called us to be a friend of them, to love them, to challenge them, to encourage them, to speak hard truth to them when necessary. And, Father, we need that for ourselves as well. So, Lord, help us to be a number two. And, Lord, I pray, open us up to have a number two, somebody who will help us in life, somebody who will pick us up when we fall, somebody who will keep us warm when we're cold, and somebody who will fight to keep our six. And, Father, I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, and everybody who agreed said amen. amen. Hey, listen, with your heads bowed just for another minute, Jesus came to be a friend to sinners, to people who just recognize they're broken. Jesus says, hey, I'm there for you. The model picture of God is that he runs from broken people. The picture of scripture is that he runs to broken people. But you've got to recognize you're broken to recognize he's running your way. And so as I close today, if you're here and you've never given your life to Jesus, you've never asked him to come and to heal you and to forgive you, I'm telling you, he loves you. And the Bible says we've all sinned. We've all, we've all missed the mark. We've all fallen short. That's bad news. The good news is Jesus came for every one of us. And what makes his forgiveness our grace is just saying, I need it. And so if you're here and you've never said yes to Jesus, I want to give you an opportunity to give your life to Christ. I'm going to close in prayer. If you want to include it in this prayer, you want to say, Pastor Steve, today I want to make Jesus my Savior. I want to make him my best friend. I want you to lift a hand real high. Come on, is there anybody here? Come on, no shame. If you're here and you're lost, you're away from God, today's your day to say yes to Jesus. Come on, men and women, just for another second, just leave it up so I can see it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, sweetheart. Thank you, sir. Several hands. I'm going to close and lead us in a prayer. And I just want to encourage you, man, to speak this out of your heart. Don't just mimic my words, but if you'll speak to God, he'll hear you. Every voice in this room as we close, will you pray this with me? Say, Jesus, I thank you that you're a friend of sinners. I know you came for me. I confess my sin. I ask you to forgive me. Help me from this day forward to follow you with all of my heart. In Jesus' name. And everybody who agreed said amen. 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 Come on, y'all.